The 23rd Psalm is one of the most beautiful poems in the entire Bible. It may be one of the most beautiful poems in world literature. For centuries, millions and millions of people have turned to this small poem for comfort, solace, reassurance, to have hope renewed, to have faith strengthened. Could it be that this little poem, over 2,500 years old, might contain insights that will be helpful to communities of faith as we seek to move into the future in more innovative, exciting ways? Well, let's find out. The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, amen. In one of his poems, Robert Frost said this, When, at times, the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may choose something like a star to stay our minds on and be stayed. For millions of people over the centuries, the 23rd Psalm has been that star. It's mercifully short, 117 words in the King James Version of the Bible, which makes it portable. It's poetic, it's promising, and at the heart of it all, it's liberating. The words ring with a defiant note of confidence. I shall not want, I will not fear. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There's nothing timid or half-hearted about the spirit of the person who wrote those lines. And the boldness begins with the first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. It can be tempting to hear those words and entertain images of shepherds in the Middle East with long robes, bearded individuals with weathered faces and long staffs. But whoever wrote the line that pictured God as a shepherd was really talking about a leader and a vision of leadership. Here's what the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann observes about this psalm. To think shepherd might suggest an idyllic pastoral scene. However, the term shepherd is political in the Bible. It means king, sovereign, lord, authority, the one who directs, the one to whom I am answerable, whom I trust and serve. Today, we use the word influencer to describe a person or group whose main objective is to get us moving in a certain direction. That could be to purchase a product. It could be to follow a dream. 
The person who wrote the 23rd Psalm obviously wanted people reading this poem to see God as the primary influencer in life. The Lord is my shepherd. That turns out to be a pretty provocative statement. We might have to do some careful thinking to determine whether or not that is the case in our lives, or whether it might be true in some areas and not in others. I remember being at a committee meeting many years ago when the topic under discussion was money and how it was going to be spent. Always a fascinating discussion in church context. And this was an especially important discussion because we were thinking about how to invest funds in the future to help the church grow. And we were not making progress in that discussion. And I remember saying at some point in the conversation, this is where we might need to find our way to lean more deeply into God. What do we think God is thinking about the resources we have and how best to use them? And I remember one person sitting at the table absolutely disagreed and said, I think for this part of the discussion, we need to leave God at the door. Now for that person, the Lord is my shepherd might have been a true statement in some areas of life, but most definitely not in others. And to be fair, I am sure I could find that the same would also be true in my own life. Here are the deeper questions. Who is leading us, really, when we stop to think about it? Who is influencing us? Is it the social media we consume? Is it a, an image or a picture of a certain kind of life or lifestyle? Is it those who generate the news that I watch? Whose opinions do I most value and follow? What are the inner voices that most influence me? Who really, when you get down to it, is our shepherd? Now the 23rd Psalm, is a great resource for spiritual growth because it can do different things for us. It can bring comfort to the grieving. Just recently, we used this psalm as part of a memorial service in our sanctuary. It can give the promise of rest to the weary. And it also has this deeper lesson to teach that greatness in life has a lot to do with learning how to be a good follower. This is why the psalm begins, I think, with these words, the Lord is my shepherd. It's inviting us into a position of followership. And this is counter to the way we think. We love leaders. We love to talk about leadership. No end of books on leadership. Go into a bookstore or go online and try to find some great books on followership. Not as easy. When I say that the Lord is my shepherd, I'm saying in a very concise way that the values I associate with God, compassion, longing for justice, care for creation, the cherishing of life, especially for those who are dispossessed and disenfranchised, I'm saying these are my values too. They're meant to guide me, shape the way that I spend money, vote, care for the earth, and care for my fellow human beings. There's an unspoken commitment in those five words, the Lord is my shepherd, that I will orient my life according to those values and stand against those things, those habits, attitudes, 
practices and policies alive and at large in our culture that contradict the values of God, that contradict the values of the shepherd. Houston Smith was a great scholar of world religions, a great practitioner of world religions. He practiced what he studied. And on one occasion, he was asked if he could possibly encapsulate in one sentence what he had learned from all of them. Amazingly, he could. He said, for him, this is what it all boiled down to, follow the light wherever it leads. And I remember hearing that statement and thinking, ah, the light, that's what first caught my attention. But now I'm thinking about the first word in his statement, follow the light wherever it leads. If you're following that light, that's your primary influencer. And it means that other things will not come into the same level of importance. Back in February, I attended a spiritual retreat in Carefree, Arizona that went by the name Leading Well. That was the title of the retreat. But interestingly enough, the emphasis was all about following well, following the light, following this one whom we might describe as shepherd, Lord, God, Spirit. The insight I carried away from the retreat was this, learn to lead by learning to follow. Learn to lead by learning to ask others for their advice, their contribution, their wisdom. Learn to lead by listening. Just last week, I attended an online class on the ways that communities of faith are striving for innovative ways to worship and learn and serve so as to breathe fresh energy into the life of the church. There is a group of people located, researchers and teachers, at Luther Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who are guiding this effort. And when these presenters were asked to name the one most important thing that churches can do to launch this spirit of innovation, their answer could have been summarized in one short phrase. Learn to follow. Learn to follow by listening. Listening is a very important word in the work that this group is doing. Listening to the one we call shepherd, listening for our own inner callings as they change over the span of a lifetime, and most importantly, listening to those around us for the things that God is saying to them as well. In other words, Follow the lead of people in our communities who have valuable insights about how we can work together for the common good, which may well lead to the revitalization of the church. Where are people hurting and looking for guidance in our communities? Where are they looking for opportunities to join together and serve? There's a church in Minnesota that began this process of listening learning to lead by following. And they had a whole series of conversations with uh, various individuals in the community. And one of those conversations involved the CEO at the local hospital. And they asked the question, you know, who are the, who are the people coming to the emergency care for assistance? And interestingly enough, the people who were looking for assistance, the largest number were actually looking for emergency dental care. So this little church 
which I think had been struggling to survive, decided to open its building and create a dental clinic for those needing emergency dental care. And they worked together with other practitioners to make this care completely affordable. This effort has breathed new life and energy into the life of the congregation. It was innovative. It all came about because they were good followers. It turns out that the emphasis on good listening and good followership is not only the opening theme in the 23rd Psalm. It's a spiritual practice that's well embedded in many of our stories of faith. Jesus launched a whole movement with a simple invitation, follow me. And the Bible is full of stories about great followers, their failures and their foibles and their faith, from Moses to Mary to the Magi and more. All of them, in their own way, followed a star. These people were not great because they organized massive projects themselves or had brilliant educations or achieved major awards, they, but because they oriented themselves to the star of God's dream for the world, and then they followed it. We can be great in that way. We can begin the day with a simple affirmation, the Lord is my shepherd, and see what comes of that. Even before the morning shower, or the first cup of coffee, or the first hit of the news, we can announce our intention to follow the light wherever it will lead. Follow the spirit wherever it will lead. Maybe we can put our intention into words, simple words like these. I'm here. I'm available. What's next? Beatrice Bruteau is an educator and the author of a wonderful little book called Radical Optimism. Just love the title of that book. And she wrote this, before you can teach, you must learn. And in order to learn, you must stop your busyness and hold still for a while. You must give yourself leisure to learn. I think most of the spiritual life, she writes, is really a matter of relaxing. It's not about pressuring ourselves to be great leaders. It's relaxing into and trusting the invitation to become great followers and to see what great ideas, imagination can emerge from that more relaxed way of approaching the world. The ancient practice of keeping Sabbath is all about moving into that deeper state of relaxation so as to give the mind and the heart the freedom to rest and renew and explore new areas of life and thought. For over 2,500 years, the 23rd Psalm has been teaching us that there are blessings that will be ours only when we stop chasing them, only when we let them come to us. It's about being still long enough to let goodness find us. Whoever wrote the 23rd Psalm really believe that. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the Hebrew word that's translated as follow in that statement can more accurately be translated as pursue. Here's the image of a God who actively pursues us 
with a single-hearted desire to seek our well-being, who models what it is like to be a great follower. This God is like a woman who followed me one day when I was shopping for a soup kitchen that I served on the Upper West Side of Manhattan when I was a seminary student in New York City. I used to shop for this soup kitchen every single Wednesday, and I didn't have a very good tool to do that shopping. I had this old shopping cart that was not very well assembled in the first place. And so on this particular day, as I pulled my rickety shopping contraption behind me, bursting as it was with all the amazing fruits and vegetables that I'd gathered from local stores who were very good about donating them, I heard this woman shouting behind me. I thought she might be angry at me for some reason, so I kept hurrying onward. But her cries were so insistent that I finally stopped and turned around, only to see her approach me with an armful of fruit and vegetables. This is the produce that had been falling out of my rickety shopping cart, falling onto the sidewalk of Broadway. Here's what God is doing, pursuing us with the best intentions and highest hopes, as if to say to us, hey, you dropped some dreams back there on the road and some hopes and some love, and I'm gathering them up, and I'm coming to you, and I want you to put them back into your life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. In his book on the 23rd Psalm, Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote that there's vulnerability and uncertainty in the world. God cannot tell us that nothing bad will ever happen to us. But God can tell us that we need not be afraid of the future no matter what it holds. God can give us the resources to transcend and overcome those fears so the disappointments or failures never cause us to lose faith in ourselves, so that evil actions never cause us to lose faith in humanity, so that the inevitability of death never causes us to give up on the holiness of life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not fear. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Those are the bold claims of the 23rd Psalm. It's a love letter addressed to us by a poet who lived 2,500 years ago so that we might see ourselves as loved and cherished and cared for through all the seasons of life so that we might love and cherish the world in exactly the same way. Amen.